You're listening to the Geek Watch Podcast, episode 34. Various geek news, including this year's Comic Con. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 34 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. Hello, Brian. So, we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about today. A bunch, yes. Well, I hate to start out the podcast with some bad news, but over the weekend, I received news that John Schnepp, who is known mostly for directing several episodes of Aquating Hunger Force and other Adult Swim shows. He was uh, a regular host on Collider's uh, Movie News, and he hosted the Collider Heroes videos, and uh, also was known for doing the documentary on the death of Superman Lives. Fascinating documentary, and how close we came to having Nicolas Cage as Superman. Thursday, he suffered a stroke. Mm-hmm. And they went in to operate. They could not stop the bleeding. There was massive bleeding uh, in the brain, and he was rendered brain dead. And so mm-hmm. his sister was unfortunately had to make the decision to take him off a of life support because they, he was not going to recover. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a major geek icon and just a few months younger than I am. So I just wanted to mention that. Godspeed to John Schnepp, and of course he'll be missed. Something else that we can talk about today, a couple of things happened. Something that I didn't know until you mentioned it to me. It just came up in the news. AMC has reinstated Chris Hardwick as host of Talking Dead and Talking with Chris Hardwick. They had done an investigation. Through, uh, an agency, Loeb and Loeb, did a full investigation. They questioned a bunch of people. They didn't come up with anything. And so they've decided to reinstate him. On the other end of things that happened this week... Of course, we have to talk about James Gunn. Yeah. If you don't know the news, he's been fired from Guardians of the Galaxy 3. He's been fired from Disney. And the reason for this being is that several years ago, he posted a large number of tweets, which were meant to be jokes, but they were pretty mm-hmm. harsh, messed up jokes. Yeah. And they were posted. Somebody went back into his tweets, found them, and posted them. And because of the nature of them... Just so they have an idea, I'm not going to read out any of these tweets. I mean, we are a family-friendly <laughs> podcast, but pedophilia and rape were a lot of the subjects that he covered in in a lot of these tweets. Now, to be fair, these tweets were many years ago, and he has in the past apologized for them and, and mentioned that in those days, of course, he came from Troma. He wrote Tromeo and Juliet. And, of course, if you've seen Troma films, you know that they are gleefully tasteless. I haven't seen them, but I've heard. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, of course, the studio that gave us the Toxic Avenger. But they bask in there in the glory of a really just the kind of tasteless type of stuff that they do. Basically, what James Gunn said was... Back in the day, he liked to think of himself as a provocateur. He was trying to be transgressive. He was trying to be offensive. But he outgrew that. Later on, apologized for the tweets and said, this is not the type of person that I am now. This is something in my past. I've grown past that. And he, of course, apologized for these tweets some time ago. But 
the reason why these came out again was, and I'm not going to mention his name, but there was a, a conservative broadcaster who had issues with some of the things that James Gunn has been saying recently about Donald Trump. James Gunn is, is very liberal, and he has no problem putting his liberal views out on Twitter. So this guy got the idea, hey, let's go into his past, let's see if we can find anything. And of course, he saw those tweets, and he just had no problem airing out this dirty laundry that was in uh, James Gunn's past. Mm-hmm. And so even though it was a long time ago, even though he's apologized, even though he has, he's, as he says, he's grown past it, at the same time, Disney is in the middle of a merger with Fox. I mean, this is a huge deal. And, I mean, there's other things, too. Of course, you know, Disney's reputation and all of that. And so John Horn posted, due to the discovery of these tweets, we can't keep working with him. And so they wound up firing him. So at this point, Mandy, do you have any thoughts about the firing? And do you think this was the right thing to do? Well, you know, at this point, you you just don't know. It's been, you know, compared to the Roseanne tweets. And, well, you know, if she can't do it, then he can't do it either. I think maybe the difference is that he did apologize and he did say, I'm, I've learned from this. And it could be the same thing with Chris Hardwick. You know, all these people are saying... I've never seen this. He's always been loving to me. You know, his wife says he's always been, he's never been anything other than loving. And maybe he did get help. Maybe he was in some kind of therapy program. And, you know, same thing with James Gunn. He has changed. And I think we've just seen more and more of Roseanne, of her not understanding why what she says is hurtful. Because, you know, she said, I thought she was white. But saying that doesn't make what you said okay. So you're just kind of showing your ignorance and not even attempting to to better yourself or to in any way try to relate to someone other than yourself, someone who's going through something different than you are. Right. And I've heard some people make the comment, it's like, well, Brian, this whole thing with James Gunn, he's been attacked now. How do you feel about the Me Too movement at this point? And of course, my first response to that is, this doesn't really have anything to do with Me Too. This was not a sexual accusation. You know, this was about a bunch of tweets. And to be honest, the guy who brought this stuff out, this guy has also posted some pretty messed up tweets. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, um, I'm not going to go into a whole lot of details on this, but he's posted tweets about the fact that he doesn't believe that date rape is a thing. Huh. The, the, the difference, All right. <laughs> he basically said that, have you ever tried to rape a woman without using force? It's impossible. Date rape does not exist. Now, the difference, of course, between what he said and what James Gunn said was, this guy's not making a joke. He believes this, and he mm-hmm. still believes it. That he doesn't understand the coercion and compliance do not equal consent. Sorry, but date rape is a thing. And yeah. But at the same time, what happened with James Gunn and, and this guy and what a lot of other alt-right conservatives, and this is not all conservatives, but what a lot of alt-right conservatives have been doing in the James Gunn case, of course, they didn't like the things that he said, but they did, and we've talked about this before, they're basically doing an ad hominem attack. They don't go after his words, they go after his character, and they figure, well, if we can attack his character and we show he's not a good person, then you just ignore everything that he says. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's known as a logical fallacy. Right. You need to go after what he says. If you don't agree with what he says, then argue what he says. And I've, I've heard people like John Campia argue that even though he's grown from it, deleting the tweets would have been a bad thing because that's trying to push under the rug what he did and that you have to own up to what you did in the past. And I can understand the sentiment of that. 
I have to say myself personally, I don't agree with that because I feel like if I was somebody in the past that used racial slurs, I don't feel like I should be using them now so that you knew what kind of person I used to be. Mm-hmm. The racial slurs are hurtful. Mm-hmm. Those tweets are hurtful. And if, if you recognize that they're hurtful, you can't leave them up there. You have to delete them. Now, post a bunch of tweets saying, hey, I deleted these tweets that I posted in the past and explain why you did it. Mm-hmm. Do that all day. But I don't think that it's necessarily fair for somebody maybe that they're going through seeing an old tweet and they they read this thing and then expect them to read through six months to a year's worth of tweets to find out, oh, I don't do this stuff anymore. If I laid a bunch of landmines out on Twitter, I'd go back and dig them up. Mm -hmm. So, But I think ultimately what this whole deal comes up to, to me, I think one of the problems that we're running into in political discourse, and I know this is a geek podcast, and (laughs) every once in a while we do tend to lean into the political because a lot of the stuff that's going on in the political world is bleeding into our geek world. Yeah, and that's not new. No, it's always happened. Right. I mean, Shakespearean plays, they are exactly political satire. Well, and, and the best of science fiction always takes some sort of political stance. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 been ingrained in the DNA of, of science fiction. And so eventually we, we have to talk about those things. But honestly, for me, what I think the problem that we're having on, I think, both sides of the aisle, on the left and the right, is this question of when and how can someone be forgiven for something they've done in the past? I can definitely tell you, after going through five decades, the person I was in my teens, what isn't the person I was in my 20s, mm-hmm. or in my 30s, or in my 40s. Absolutely. You've known me when I was in my 40s, and I can, I can say at 51, I'm a different person than I was in the 40s. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. And definitely a different person than I was in, 20, in my 20s. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. I think if you're the same person in your, in your 40s, in your 50s, as you were in your 20s, it's, it's sad and pathetic and you need help because <laughs> it's like the old saying, there's no fool like an old fool. And you can't live as a 20-year-old forever. I mean, I can tell you in my 20s, I was, you know, I, I lacked a lot of life experience that has helped steer me mm-hmm. down better roads. I think for me, what it comes down to is we need to decide whether or not people can change. I know a lot of people talked about Roseanne and her situation, and ABC had to make a choice about Roseanne. Now, what some people, especially some of the younger geek watchers out there, may not remember was there was a television show on ABC called Home Improvement Mm -hmm. with Tim Allen. Yes. Now, when they first started the show, and this was after they hired him, Tim went to them and said, listen, I need to confess something to you. Back in 1972, I was arrested for cocaine possession. Now, when we say possession, he didn't have a little bit. He had almost a pound and a half of cocaine. He was selling it. Mm -hmm. And he was going to serve a life sentence for it, except that he made a deal to go state's evidence and name some other drug dealers. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, it reduced his sentence. He spent two and a half years in prison. And so this is, this is somebody was selling selling cocaine. He had served time in prison. They're getting ready to start this new show with him. And ABC at that time decided that they were going to stick with him. They were completely honest with what, what his past was. They said he had some bad issues in his past, but he's grown and he's changed. And, of course, that's how we got Home Improvement. He was the voice of Buzz Lightyear in mm-hmm. the Toy Story. He's he was done, the Santa Claus. <laughs> he, yes, he was in the Santa Claus. Exactly. And so, obviously, ABC's decision to stand behind him at that point was a good decision. And if you look at the Marvel Universe, 
who in the world has had as as big issues in his back than Iron Man, right. our our guy play? Yeah, Junior. Mm-hmm. yeah, he went through lots of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, alcohol and drugs and going to jail, and they had to fire him from Ally McBeal because of the problems that he was causing there. It was just one bad thing after the other. And I mean, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. I would have said, he's on a rocket ride to hell. He's <laughs> he's probably going to wind up killing himself. And that was the road he was going down. Great actor, but extremely self-destructive. But, you know, Robert Downey Jr. was able to turn himself around. And now he is a keystone to the entire Marvel Universe at this point. Mm-hmm. He was able to change. I think people are able to change. That because of that, you have to to understand that maybe people have changed and give people credit when they have changed. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I think we need to hold people accountable when they don't change. Right. Because they have the ability to change and they're choosing not to. And that's the issue. Mm-hmm. Or so. choosing not to see the issue itself. Right. Like, I don't have a problem. It's it's other people. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, there's a lot to be learned from the James Gunn situation. One big thing is that, yeah, sometimes we can, when we're with friends, humor can get a little bit dark. It's part of the human thing. We all have this gene in us that just revels in the profane, in the transgressive. And I think it may be, in my personal opinion, I think it's, it's related to what Freud would call the death wish. I think that we just, there's an attraction to those type of things. And I think amongst our friends in our living room, that's a place to kind of let some of that stuff out. Obviously not the type of thing that we should do in public. Mm-hmm. That being said, I think where a lot of people make mistakes is they think that their Facebook page or the Twitter page is their living room and it's really <laughs> yeah. not. It's the world. No, that's, that's Everybody the can see it. universe. And so honestly, being able to make that leap of understanding that when you post the stuff online, not only is it loud, but it's permanent and forever. Right. But... My big fear, and we talked about this before, my big fear with a lot of this is that people have been given a voice, and I don't want to see that voice taken away. And my feeling on this is that people may look at James Gunn and say, yes, he did something bad, but he grew from it, and he admitted it, you know, he talked about these things, and but he's still being punished for it. At the same time, I'm worried that people will look at, well, Chris Hardwick, he was accused of something, his reputation was damaged. You know, he's able to come back from it, but hey, doesn't that prove that this was a big lie and that this was a, a hatchet job and he was attacked unfairly? And that's what you know, the whole Me Too movement is about, is, is is people attacking men without a trial, et cetera, et cetera. And if you want to silence a person's voice, there's two ways that you can do it. One of them is just basically put a hand over their mouth, shut them up. The other thing you can do is you can put so much noise in the air Mm-hmm. so much din, so much cacophony that they can't shout over it. They can't be heard, which I think in, in some cases is what's happening now. Mm-hmm. I think the noise to signal ratio has been pretty bad. And in my mind, I think what we need to do in the, in these situations is we have to understand that there are voices that still need to be heard. I think that when it comes to these situations, forgiveness has to be a part of the process. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness for those people who have who have worked and earned it, certainly. But without that aspect to this, I think that everything else is going to basically fall apart. And so that's just kind of how I um, is how I look at it. Mm-hmm. And so, 
there were a lot of people uh, packing and heading out to California the, uh, this weekend, huh? Oh, yes, for, uh, for Comic-Con. Comic-Con! And so, of all the news that came out of Comic-Con and all the trailers, was there anything in particular, something, maybe not something major, but something that you saw that you were excited about or something that caught your attention? Well, like uh, we were discussing before with the Shazam and Aquaman. Right. You know, look really excited about that. Glass. Ooh, wow. That's been 10 or 15 years in the making. Um, mm-hmm. So that's exciting. Oh, gosh, Ryan. Oh, there were so many. <laughs> I hope you have a list somewhere. <laughs> I do. Because I've already forgotten them. <laughs> oh, there, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. in there. And, and, and one of the things, of course, we need to talk about is Friday they showed uh, a teaser trailer for Doctor Who, and they had a panel in Hall H. One thing that we had talked about, and, and sort of as an aside, is we didn't know if Marvel was going to have a presence at Comic-Con, and they really didn't, Mm-mm. which basically opened up Hall H to allow a lot of other people to come in and do panels mm-hmm. that either that uh, gave them more attention or even allowed them in Hall H where they probably wouldn't have been in the first place. And so going back to Doctor Who, there wasn't a whole lot of stuff. The panel was pretty lively, and there was a lot of things discussed. There was a couple of videos. I mean, there was a trailer, which was I found interesting in how much stuff wasn't in these trailers. You don't see anybody in this trailer besides your four main characters. Mm-hmm. That's it. You see them walking. You see them in different areas. You don't see any kind of monsters. You don't see any character. You only see the four of them. Very little effects, no footage. Yeah. You know, it was... And, you know, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that they are trying to fight spoilers. They don't want anything to come out. Now, what we do know about this season is that there's not going to be any classic monsters. There's not going to be any revisits of any characters that we've seen before. This is going to be completely... introduction. Which they've done before. I mean, Mm -hmm. when they first went to color, there wasn't any old school monsters. You didn't see any Cybermen. No no Daleks. No, Mm -hmm. but we were introduced to races like the Autons, Mm -hmm. the Silurians, and the Master during that season. And so there were a lot of introductions that eventually became classics. And so I'm sure that the hope is that we're going to be seeing some new classics Mm -hmm. created this season. I could see their reasoning is we've got this entirely Brand new, and don't get me wrong, every single doctor is very, very unique. Right. This is the most unique doctor we are going to have had in a 13 doctors, 14, you know, if you're counting John Hurt. And so she is going to be looking at the entire universe, the entire, all of time differently than she ever has in the past. Right. So her entire existence is going to be different. So we need to see that. We need to see completely new. Yeah, well, you know, and the thing too is that, and this kind of shows to me the faith that uh, Chris Chidmill has in Jodie Whittaker, is they don't feel the need to front load Jodie's first season with nostalgia so that you realize, hey, this is Doctor Who. They don't feel like, man, we've got a pile on the stuff that people know so that, mm-hmm. it, you know, the sugar to make the medicine go down. It's <laughs> like, you know, Chris Chibnall's not doing that. He's wanting Jodie to have the room to make her own stamp on the Doctor, which is the gift that every actor who plays the Doctor gets, is the ability to take this iconic character and make it their own. And 
there are a lot of changes that are happening in the show this next season. Murray Gold, who was the musical director for all the seasons of New Who up to this point, he's leaving. So they're going to have a new musical director. Wow. Something else that I found out, and this shocked the heck out of me to find this out, is that in the writer's room, they're going to have their first writer, who is a person of color, which I thought after Uh 50-some years of this show, they've never once, not not in one episode ever, had a writer who was a person of color? No, apparently not. And they have Come on, BBC. You're better than that. Well, apparently, you know, like we said before, people can change, and they they made a point that they were going to make that change, and getting that chance to see new voices is going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm excited to see what happens. Of course, we know in October is when we're going to start seeing these new episodes mm-hmm. of Doctor Who. I think they're mostly in the can at this point. I don't know if there's anything else left to shoot. There may be. Oh, and something else that is happening on October, speaking of our trailers, what about that seven-minute-long Walking Dead trailer? My <laughs> goodness, Brian. Wow, yes. <laughs> that was... I'm not even sure I need to watch the season. <laughs> they they gave it all. It is it is all laid it out It just there. went on. Well, on and on and on. There was a lot of stuff that they were... Well, of course, they're wanting to get a lot of excitement behind the season since they, I mean, now they have officially announced that Andrew Lincoln is leaving. And Lauren Cohen, Maggie, she's leaving also. And so they really wanted to have that kind of a wow factor to get people excited. And they tipped off a lot of stuff. I mean, we saw the helicopter again. Right. We've seen Anne, a.k.a. Jadis. I guess Mm -hmm. she goes by Anne now. And so she was communicating with the helicopter with a walkie-talkie. So... Mm -hmm. We're going to see at least that part of it. The one thing that surprised me, because I was wondering if they were going to go down that road, was they, in the trailer at the end, you have uh, Rosita and Eugene covering themselves up with mud, uh, which is direct style. This is directly out of the comics. And I'm like, wait a minute. They were hiding from the Whisperers. Hmm. I'm like, is this the Whisperers? And you see what looks like walkers coming along. And then you hear, of course, the sound of the walkers. But if you listen carefully... You can hear among the growls of the walkers someone going, where are they? I'm like, they are going to do the whispers. Okay. Yeah, the whispers, they're basically a cult-like creepy group of people. Yeah. Who, they're called the Whisperers because they walk among the walkers. They cover themselves in walker skins. And as protection, they basically walk in the herds. Mm -hmm. And so they're called the Whisperers because if you start talking, they're going to notice you. Mm -hmm. But if you whisper, they don't. And so that's, and they're very cultish in in their society. Wow. And so so apparently they're going to go down that road. Okay. Um, But... Um, what I'm also interested in seeing is how are they going to do this without Andrew Lincoln? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, they've got a lot of, uh, wow, that, it's going to be tough. It's definitely going to be tough, but I'm going to give it a shot. Yep. Now, I am going to say this because, I mean, the big thing is going to, the people say, well, who wins Comic-Con? That's the that's the big line. It's like, who's who's the one who makes the most impression in Comic-Con? And I, there was a lot of interesting... Yeah, it was so varied this year. I mean, everything, you know, well, everyone got a voice, I feel like. Yeah, exactly. And people have said, who were there said this has been a, it was a more laid-back Comic-Con because you don't have the hustle and bustle of, of Marvel. Not to say there was nothing Marvel uh, there. I mean, Sony definitely had their panels for Venom. And they talked about Into the Spider-Verse, which they didn't have any footage that's come out online, anything that I can see. But people have been reporting about stuff that they've seen in the panels. And one of the things they mentioned about Into the Spider-Verse was there was an appearance by Peter Porker 
the amazing spider ham. <laughs> I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember that, but I remember that comic. An anthropomorphic pig who was Spider-Man. Huh. Now, Brian, uh, yesterday at lunch, I had to listen to you and Kevin arguing over uh, Aquaman versus Shazam, and uh, which one was better, which one you guys were more excited about, and uh, that was... Uh, I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I, I'm going to say this, is that it's going back to talking about who wins Comic-Con, and it's shocking me to even say this, but I got to say it, I really think Warner Brothers won Comic-Con this year. Hmm. I really do. I think the stuff that they put out was the is the stuff that people were excited about, because we did get to see the Aquaman trailer, we did get to see a Shazam trailer, we got to see the trailer for Godzilla, King of the Monsters. But let's talk about the superhero stuff. I'm going to have to start with Aquaman. And I know that some people are not a big fan of Aquabra. I know. <laughs> I'm, I understand that. It doesn't bother me as much as I think it bothers a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with it. Yeah. You know, I'm a hetero female looking at Jason Momoa, so I'm a niche crowd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jason Momoa is kind of in your wheelhouse. <laughs> no question. I know some people have a problem with Aquabra, but for me... Uh, it's better than the personality he, that Aquaman traditionally has, which is none. Uh, mm, okay. he's, he's the guy that swims and talks to fish. Mm-hmm. That's basically it. And I think that's been the running gag about an entourage, about the uh, they were going to do an Aquaman movie. It's because how do you make an Aquaman movie? This guy's got like no personality at all. <laughs> so how, how do you do that? It's not... It's not going to be even remotely interesting. So you have to give him some kind of personality. And so he does. He has he has a personality, you know. Some people may not like that personality, but at least it's a personality. And I know some people have complained that they thought that the uh, CG was a bit hokey. And me personally, I have to say this, and this is going to weigh into into Shazam as well. But for me, I can forgive a lot in a movie. I if the CG looks hokey, if some of the actors maybe their personalities don't vibe with what I how I think the character ought to play, if this suit looks bad, and we'll get to that. I can forgive all of that stuff if the story's there. And so it looks like there's going to be a very interesting story in Aquaman. The visuals for me have intrigued me. I definitely want to see more. And there's a lot of just really stunning things in there. The trench creatures look Mm -hmm. scary as all get out. And the battle scenes... It's going to be interesting to see what they do with that because battle scenes are always hard to direct. They're either very epic or very chaotic to the point you can't tell what's going on. <laughs> and when you cut battle scenes into a trailer, they tend to look chaotic. You can't help mm-hmm. it. But that's kind of what you want in the trailer side of things. When you're doing a trailer, you want excitement. You want you want it to be kinetic. You want it to be moving. And so battle scenes, when they show up in the trailer, they tend to be very chaotic. Hopefully, it's not going to be that way in the movie, but we'll mm-hmm. see. But then, of course, we got the Shazam trailer, which admittedly I am excited about mm-hmm. as well. I, it, but I got to say, I had a problem with the suit, and I thought, well, <laughs> let me see it in motion. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it in motion, and it's a hot mess. You're still not happy. <laughs> it looks like they put him in the suit, and then they took a bicycle pump and pumped him up. Uh-huh. It actually wor- looks worse than I thought it was going to. Oh, no. I'm sorry, But Brian. again, going mm-hmm. back, that's not enough to make me want to... You know, not, I'm not going to go see the movie over that. I'm, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm still interested in the movie. For me, I, I do have to say the Aquaman trailer edged out the Shazam trailer by a bit. Mm-hmm. And as far as, like I said, Shazam, I don't. I think 
after a while, I'll just ignore how bad the costume looks and I'll just go with it. Mm-hmm. My hope is that Shazam, the performance there is not, they're not going to overplay the kid aspect because obviously the young mm-hmm. actor who's playing Billy Batson, he's not a goofball, or at least he doesn't seem to be in the trailer. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want, um, I think Zachary Levi, as long as he doesn't overplay the goofy fish out of water stuff, mm-hmm. that he plays Shazam like you know the young actor who's playing Billy Batson. If their personalities are very similar, yeah. Uh, and there's there's a trap, you know, when you're doing the suddenly grown up like the the big the thirteen going on thirty, um, you know, it's countless. Uh, Right. Of shows of like Twilight Zone or something. A child suddenly becoming an adult. uh, That adult shouldn't act like stupid or silly just because they're a kid in an adult's body. They should act like a kid. And I do think that, you know, so far Zachary Levi, uh, you know, he has that kind of, there's this innocence and maybe a naivete, but not, you know, not stupidity, not not silliness. Um, Well, I I think the backpack dance, well, it was brought out of context but if you know that that seemed a little bit silly to me but at the same time like i said my hope is that zachary levi is he's not going to overplay that too much and warner brothers coming out with godzilla that just looked yeah and all over my facebook feed and you know seeing all the trailers all the panels and stuff somehow i missed uh godzilla i didn't get to see the trailer for godzilla have you not seen it yet i haven't seen it yet no oh well then We'll have to fix that uh, mm-hmm. soon because, oh my goodness. The trailer for me gave me what I wanted, which uh, a good look at what monsters we're going to be seeing. But uh, yeah, it, to me, it looks like Warner Brothers definitely won Comic-Con. They were really the excitement. A lot of the stuff that was going on that people are talking about are Warner Brothers properties. Any last thoughts on uh, Comic-Con for you? Uh, anything... Uh, uh, anything, uh, tele- well, let me ask you television-wise, anything excites you? I know uh, that... Supernatural, getting excited about that, and uh, they didn't really have much of a trailer. It was, they, they showed a trailer, but it was all past episodes and stuff, but the, they only started filming just maybe two weeks ago, so they right. don't have much coverage or footage to put together for a trailer, but the 300th episode is coming up, right? and they talked about looking at that through the eyes of the world around the boys who yeah. are being saved by them throughout their lives. And it kind of uh, reminds me of the episode of Buffy where at prom they give her the award for being class protector. And they say, we've noticed what you've done, that you, you're the one who has been saving us. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm really yeah. excited to see that. Well, a lot of the trailers that I saw for television shows, I honestly, and, and Doctor Who has to fall into this, there wasn't a whole lot of wow factor, I would say. There wasn't... Most of the trailers seem to be geared for people who are already fans of the show. Mm-hmm. I didn't see anything, uh, any tra- anything trailer-wise that would make people go, "Well, I've never seen this before, but I got to check this mm-hmm. out." But uh, so I, I think that a lot of the trailers, a lot of the teasers for the TV shows were pretty safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were mostly to be like, I mean, the Walking Dead one. There's a little bit of a wow factor with the Whisperers, but. To be honest, if you don't know who the Whisperers are, you might not even have noticed that, you know, the where are they. Mm-hmm. It would have gone completely over your head. So there's no excitement to that if you don't, if you've never read the comics, you don't know who the Whisperers are or whatever. But until next to Comic-Con, we got a lot of stuff to check out. And yep. Comic-Con does nothing. It just, it just reinforces the fact that it's 
awesome to be a geek. We are living in great geek times. There's a lot of great stuff that's going to be coming down the pike for us. And I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm ready to go. So, so with that said, we come to the end of episode 34 of the Geek Watch podcast. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to tune in next week for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. And so, for Mandy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher reminding all the geek watchers out there that we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch Podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch Podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.com. The Geek Watch Podcast is a Hanging J production.